Uh, glad that you are here. Um, before I forget, right off the bat, uh, Daniel taught last week. He did a great job. Just appreciate his ministry. Um, if you are, if you know who he is, but maybe aren't here long enough to recognize it, uh, he's my son. And um, so a lot of people said, "Hi, oh, you're you're like your father." And and he told me that. So I st- I'm like, "No, son, you're your own man. Don't let." He goes, "Dad." People couldn't give me a higher compliment than to say, uh, I'm like you. How, what a good guy he is right there. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, maybe I'm like him. Who knows? Maybe that's the, the deal. But thank you for that, and uh, thank you just for um, supporting uh, our teaching team the way that you do. You make them all feel really good about the gift that God's given them, and it strengthens our church when we have more than one person who is able to teach. So thank you for that. Um, Pastor Jake gave me this, um, this little study that I thought was excellent in leading into the message for this weekend. So this comes from um, a big Ivy League school that did a study over a nine-year time period that involved 7,000 people. So it was a really in-depth study, and it had to do with, um, with people... Uh, being connected or not, the result of that, how their lives went. And so obviously, you can ask people in a study, um, you know, how are you doing with, with connecting to people and how are you doing with, uh, you know, being involved with other people? People can give all sorts of answers, but you really need to find them over a period of time, uh, kind of watch their lives, watch what happens in order to get a real indication uh, as to whether or not it's good or bad and what's really going on in someone's life. So this study was called the Alameda County Study, 7,000 people over nine years. Here was the main thing that researchers found, that the most isolated of people are three times more likely to die early than those with strong relational connections. And then it brings it together on this. Listen to this. People with bad health habits like smoking, bad diet, bad sleeping, uh, excessive alcohol use, but are strong, socially connected, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but are isolated. So Jake then uh, gave me this sentence to bring it together. He said, it's probably better to eat ice cream with friends than broccoli by yourself. (laughs) So have no fear when you pig out tonight on the ice cream. As long as you're doing it with other people, it has an awesome effect. Um, One other thing, a good friend of Jubilee uh, who doesn't live here anymore, but he's visiting this weekend. Robert Lakes uh, is back with us this weekend. And... um, for those that, that go to our church and that know, Robert, um, it, Robert's my booster, man. He's, he's, yeah, there it is. I was waiting for it. And um, Robert's moved. His job took him uh, Alabama, correct? Down to Alabama. So he's been there, but he's here with us this weekend. And I'm, I'm dude, look over and see you. I'm just, it's good to see you, man. We love you. And welcome back, buddy. And enjoy yourself this weekend. Yeah, for sure. So the name of the series is called The Life You've Always Wanted, and this weekend I'm going to talk about why you need a church. Amen. Why do you need a church? Beyond the idea of just like, 
you know, the superficial reasons that we'll give, well, it says so in the Bible, or I know that's the right thing to be doing, or, you know, it, it's a social thing for me. Why do you really need a church? And so uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, these two verses, 23 uh, through 25, I, I'm going to look at these to draw tonight as our text on why you need a church. What does God say about this? And the whole idea of connection, the health that's in connection. Why does God want us to be in community? Why is it important? Does it really make a difference? Was it more for people who 2,000 years ago didn't have the ability to live stream in their living room on television, right? So they had to get together. But now we have that great, uh, that great methodology. And by the way, Jake did mention this, and I just want to affirm this one more time. Uh, while we are having live services and we do invite you to join us, I recognize that there are, um, there are people who are at risk right now, and we do not want you to feel pressure to be here with us. That's why we continue to provide uh, the online. And of course, not being able to offer children's ministry right now. I realize um, it makes it difficult for a big portion of our church that have small children. We want you to know we're doing everything that we can and um, we're working on that. I hope, um, I don't have a date, but I hope soon we're able to move forward with that a little bit more. But in the meantime, um, whether you are here in person or whether you are live streaming and watching that way, we are a family. And I do, even though the message is about being connected in person, I, I want you to know, I believe that when there's mitigating circumstances, that God's grace goes to mitigating circumstances. Do you believe that right there? So it helps us. So it's not something you want to adopt as a permanent way to enjoy fellowship, but it is a way that in the meantime, uh, we can do it. So Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, um, this is what Paul writes. Let us hold on firmly to the hope we profess. So let me, before I, I go all the way through it, I want you to notice how many times he uses um, the term us, we, um, one another, the idea of the connection of being together. Instead of using the singular I or you, it's us and we and together. So pick it out all the different times. Ten times, I'll just give it away. Ten times in these verses he mentions that idea. So let us hold on firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord is coming Nearer. It's just interesting that in just those few verses right there, how many times he stresses the idea of community, yes or no? Being together. Not, not you and not I, but us and we and being one. And I think just looking at these verses right here is probably the greatest indication of why you need a church, why you need fellowship, why you need community, why you need to be together. One of the reasons that we're meeting right now, I've got a lot of friends around the U.S., pastor friends, that are not meeting together right now. They've chosen until they can offer their children's ministry to only do online. It's not a judgment statement, what I'm about to make. These are good men and women who love God, are following God and doing what they feel to be right. But for me, if you remember, this was my decision and why we're meeting right now. I felt like in order to honor what God asks us to do, not to give up meeting together as some are in the, what's the word? 
How many of you recognize how easily and how quickly a bad habit can form in life? And man, is it, is it better to keep a habit from happening or better to try to break a habit after it? So if you can keep it from happening, it's the best way to go. So I felt like in order to be obedient to what, just as pastor, to lead and for our sakes, if we could be meeting together, we needed to be doing it outside of just watching it on television because even when you're streaming it, I, it's a wonderful tool. And for some people right now, it's so necessary, but it develops a habit that says this, I'm getting everything that they get, but I never have to get dressed and leave my house. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the parking. I don't have to mess with those people that, you know, push me and shove me. And it's just, I can just stay here. And it's just so much easier. And I can watch it in whatever I happen to be wearing. And I don't want to even think about what you might be wearing as you watch this. But I'm joking and I'm having a little fun. But it develops a habit. And obviously, if God takes the time to tell us that's a bad habit, don't get into that habit. Here, here's, I'm going to predict, I'll do it at the very end. One of the outcomes of the ground that's shifting beneath our feet right now, one of the things that's going to be very difficult for some people to come back from, they are going to lose the habit of fellowship. And so, does it matter? Well, is there an outcome of that that's a negative? Is there anything? Does it really matter? As long as you're watching and worshiping in your own house, does it really matter? Well, I think if God says, don't give up doing it, and fall into the habit, there must be something. So that's what I wanna talk about. What's the benefit? Why do we meet together? Why do you need a church? So if you're taking the notes online, uh, here they are. One, it's harder to drift when you're in community. So another way to say it would be, it's easier to drift when you're not in community. When no one's there checking on you, when you don't have mooring lines, when you don't have fellowship and friendship, it's easy to just go with whatever is happening that day. And in fact, what I know from my own life is that by the time somebody figures out that something's wrong, it's already so established in your life. The best time to have it taken care of is when someone checks you and says, hey man, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Don't, what are you, that's not you. And if you don't have somebody doing that in your life, that's a dangerous place to be, Justin. That's a dangerous place to be. Uh, it, it, to, to, to try to be figuring out life on your own is never what God intended. So it's harder to drift when you're in community. The sentence in the scripture we just read, let us hold on, listen to the word, firmly to the hope that we profess. That whole idea right there is don't drift. Hold on firmly. Let me throw this out. When I was younger, um, part of my life, we lived in California and I got into surfing and I loved to surf. In fact, um, at one point, that was my ambition to be a professional surfer. So I graduated high school in 82 and I had a buddy and our motto that we wrote in each other's yearbook was North Shore 84. We were gonna move to Hawaii and surf the North Shore in 1984. Back when dirt was young. That's how long ago we were going to do that. So when you would surf, and probably if you've ever been to the ocean, you don't have to be on a surfboard or a boogie board. You can do this just, just your body. 
when you, when you, you plant yourself on the beach, let's say you put your stuff down and whatever you bring with you, a towel and, you know, a, a cooler and maybe an umbrella and whatever. And maybe some of your family is sitting up on the beach. That's how Chris and I do it. She likes the sun and I like the water. So she'll, she'll plant herself in the sand and I'll go down to the water. And here's the thing that happens just naturally is that when you're out swimming, surfing, uh, just hanging in the water, the, the current causes you to drift. Does anybody know what I'm talking about right now? And if you don't pay attention, by the time you look up back on the beach, you are way down. Anybody, you know, and the stronger the ocean, the stronger the current, the farther the drift that you don't recognize. And my point would simply be this. We live in a day and a time and in a culture where the drift and the current is so strong that by the time you check yourself out there, you can be so far from where you entered into the water that it's hard to get back. You got to keep your eye on it. So when I would get on the board, right, I would have a point where I would fix, okay, this is where I entered the water. I need to stay around this point right here because if it was crowded, you could drift down so far, you would lose the place that you were supposed to be. And it was just the automatic thing. You you drift. I, I, I would just throw this out to you. The tendency for all of us in life is to drift unless something holds us in place. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. It's easy to drift. And especially in the current uh, uh, world that we live in, in the place that we live in right now, the current is pushing so fast, Come on, brother pulling pastor. so fast. I, I forgot you called me brother pastor. <laughs> forgot about that. Brother pastor. <laughs> when we, um, early on in the life of our church, this was not, uh, it wasn't intentional. It was serendipity. It was accidental that I discovered this. Um, the church was maybe two years old, was, was in a point where it was growing really rapidly. In the beginning, it was real easy to, to know everybody and know where everybody was at. Now, that has benefits, but that also has not a lot of good things with it too, right? So then, then if you take a week off, everybody's like, where were you? <laughs> I was sick. Uh, were you really? So it was good that you, you, know, you knew what was going on with people, but it was also like, you know, privacy. So um, it began to grow and it grew rapidly. And so trying to know where everybody was at and what was going on, this is one of the things that when a church gets larger, it's, it's hard for it to have that feeling where everybody knows what's going on with everybody. And like I said, there's good and bad with that. But it ended up right at that time, there were two, um, two younger couples. They hadn't been married that long, just a few years, and they both simultaneously ended up in marriage trouble. They didn't know each other. They weren't friends with each other. It wasn't like that. But because they came for counseling, I knew. And so uh, watching these two couples, um, in fact, here, here, I had done both of the weddings. So they had been married close to the same length of time. Their backgrounds were fairly similar to each other. There, what I'm trying to say is there wasn't a lot of um, pressure that one couple was experiencing that the other couple wasn't. They were both in about the same place, same thing in life. Yep. Here was the difference. One couple was extremely connected to the body and had friends and 
were involved in groups and they were known. Is that a good word? They were known. Where the other couple was here, but not known, not connected. And both of them ended up in a crisis where the current of their situations was pulling them away rapidly. Pulling them away rapidly. Both came for counseling. Both asked for help. One couple made it and one couple did not. What was the main difference that I could find? Because they both were doing approximately the same thing. The main difference I could find is that one had mooring lines on their lives that when they began to drift and began to be pulled away, people around them held on and grabbed them and wouldn't let them go. And the other one did not have, it wasn't that people didn't care. It wasn't that people turned their back. They just simply didn't have the relationships, the community, the fellowship that kept them from drifting. And can I just say to you, the enemy of your soul, he loves to cause you to drift. And if he can get you farther off away, he will snatch you and pull you. So it's so hard. It's easier to go with the current than it is to fight against it sometimes. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? So that we're investing in, you know, here, here's what Chris and I found ourselves fighting harder for the couple than they were fighting. And sometimes we find ourselves in life where we just, no one's helping us, right? And, and it, 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 we just get exhausted. But that's when you need people to grab onto you. That's when you need people to hold you. That, we've, there's a couple in this church. I've got two or three of them. I don't have a lot. Um, so I, I don't think it's wrong saying... Um, uh, John and Molly Gilbert. I don't know if, if you might know who the Gilberts are. Uh, when I was a youth pastor many, many years ago, they were two kids who were in my youth group. And they met each other on a mission trip that we did to Romania and just began to, you know, one thing led to another and they both went to different schools after they graduated. And, but when they, when they got back from college, they got serious. I did their wedding. And they live up in Fort Collins area. And then when we came down here to start the church, uh, John got transferred down here to Denver. It was awesome. And ended up at our church. So literally, I have been their pastor for 30 some odd years. That's crazy. 30 some odd years. Because I just don't look that old. I just, it's like, you know. You, you want some of the anointing? Here, take it on you. <laughs> All right, so here, here was the, um, so recently, right before everything happened with COVID, John and I had gone out and we were hanging out with each other and John just made this off the cuff comment. He just said, John, we're just kind of married at the hip, aren't we? And I said, yeah, we are. And he said, we couldn't go anyplace if we wanted to, could we? And I said, no, you can't. I said, but neither can I. I said, John, we're locked in with each other. I chose you and you chose me a long, long time ago. And unless God comes in and interrupts that, we don't just change our mind because life gets tough or something else appears to be more exciting. We're connected to each other. And I said, it's a pretty good thing, isn't it? He said, it really is, John. There's a couple that Chris and I have invested so heavily in their lives and <laughs> Love them. They love us. Just watch them. You know, their children are now growing up. It's such a good thing. My point is just simply that 
That's how God designed it. And you know, a missing thing from what we have, what we call church today, is that people can come and go. And there's just no, it's like they're Teflon instead of Velcro. That wasn't in my notes. That was just, it came to me, right? Just boom, just pow. We're going to change it to Velcro Fellowship. There's just something that God designed it. When it works right, so let me just say this. Obviously, you can go too far with that. We know that there are fellowships that, um, they're called shepherding fellowships, where you'll have a group of leaders, pastor and leaders, who then try to control and dominate and tell people who you can marry and where you can work and you have to be here. That, that's not what I'm talking That's Look, that's, that's bonded. That's crazy. I don't know who said that. Jeff, you said that's crazy. Your bride said that. Pam said that. It's crazy. It's, it's wrong. It's not what God... God didn't intend for the relationship to be so, um, so overpowering and overwhelming that there's not freedom. But, you know, sometimes we use the word freedom as an excuse not to be connected. And God wants us to be connected. He calls us a family. Family's messy. It's the one thing that I know. When we all get together, there's 19 of us now. And it is not, not messy. It's not. It's what? 22 of us? I don't, somewhere, there's a large number of us. You're always quick to correct me up here. It's like... <laughs> Hebrews 2 1. Look, look at this. Um, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may. So let's do it one more time. Or we may away from it. So right now, while I'm talking to you, it's not, it's not to say that I'm something, but if you believe, hey, this is my pastor that I've submitted myself to spiritually, and I am allowing him to teach me, then you need to pay careful attention to the truth that I'm saying. It's not optional to have connections inside of this fellowship. While you can choose to do that, it's not the way that God wants it to be. To be connected is what it's about. So let me give you the second one real quick if you're taking the notes. There's better care in community than there is outside of community. Look at the words that this scripture used, that Hebrews 10 that I read to you. Look at these five words that the apostle uses to describe care. He uses the word concern, help, love, do good, and encourage. Those five things are, are care, body care that we're supposed to give to each other. We're supposed to love each other, encourage each other, do good for each other, watch over each other, help each other, 
Those are the things that are supposed to be happening when you're in community, when you've got that connection. Those are the things people are concerned about you. People want to help you. People love you. Uh, we do good. We encourage each other to do good. Uh, we're, we're, we're with each other. So here, here's the myth. Pastors are supposed to do that for us. Pastor, think of it. Pastor, be concerned about me. Pastor, help me. Pastor, love me. Pastor, do good things that we can cheer you on with. Pastor, encourage me when you preach. Yeah, there's, because I'm a part of the body too. Yep, that's my job. Yes, I do that. But it's a myth that I'm the only one who's supposed to be doing that inside of the body. Amen. Here's truth. Listen, this is truth. Let us do this, Paul says. Let us concern ourselves with each other. Let us help each other. Let us love each other. Let us spur each other on to do good. Let us encourage each other. It's not just pastor, do this. We do this. When a fellowship is healthy, when it's not out of balance, when it's clicking the right way, all the people are pastors. We're all ministers. We're all caring and loving and watching over each other and glad and, and trying to make sure we're all healthy. Amen. That's what it's supposed to be like. Amen. Here's the ideal situation. That in some type of a group inside of this church, this, this kind of care is happening for you. That's ideal. So ideal is not where most of us live our lives. So here's a good situation that in a church service, these things can happen for you. Here's a bad situation that you end up in isolation so that you never experience the five gifts of encouragement that I just told you about. What a terrible way to live life, to never be encouraged, to never be having someone to be concerned about you, to help you, to encourage you on to good things. An ideal situation is to get involved in a group, a small group, a ministry. Hang out tonight and eat ice cream. We'll call it the ice cream ministry. Look, if you can stay and you don't, you're choosing isolation. Yay, amen. Come over here, I'm gonna say it one more time. If you can stay and you don't, you're choosing isolation. Call it what it is. Well, I'm just not a people person. I bet you are when the time's right. I bet you are in crisis. I bet you are when you're hurting. That, that's when we need it, and that's when it's so difficult to develop it, isn't it? It's better to have it where you know, okay, just boom, it's there, as opposed to how am I going to get this? Here's the third one. I have a habit. I have a habit. Paul says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Okay, think about this real quickly. Good habits are intentional, yes or no? Yes. Seldom is a good habit accidental. If you have a good diet, you probably do it intentionally. Wow. Maybe there's a whole message right there for like... Uh, I'm going to say it one more time. If you eat good, it's intentional. <laughs> So good habits are intentional. How about this? Health is intentional. Amen. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Uh, studying is intentional. Reading is intentional. Praying is intentional. Going to church is intentional. Come on, 
Nobody's just driving around like, oh, hey. I saw this on TV. Justin, I told you about this. I, I saw this on TV last week or the week before on the news, 10 o'clock. I don't know what the source was, but they listed the five most risky behaviors in the age of coronavirus, starting from five and going up to one, one being the worst. Five was a concert. Four was a sporting event. Three was shopping. Two, going to church. And the only worse thing than going to church was going to a bar. That's what is being said about church right now. You believe that? Good habits are intentional. Church is intentional. I... (laughs) I read this years ago. You've probably heard this, and I think that there is truth to this, that it takes 30 days to develop a habit. But it takes a whole lot longer than that to break one. So good habits are intentional. Does this, though, if we flip the coin, do you think this is true? Most bad habits are unintentional. So nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, hmm, I wonder if I could on purpose screw up my life today. Nobody does that, do they? So it's, think about that. I mean, there are some masochists out there that might think that way, but most people are just like, you know, we don't want a messed up life. We want a good life. So good habits are intentional. Bad habits are unintentional. So let's just reverse it. You know, when your finances are out of control, it's generally because you've been unintentional. Is that another message? Right? I mean, what, what is... <laughs> All of a sudden, even, even you aren't amen to me on this. You know, like, where's the brother pastor now? Where's that now? Uh-huh. So when your health, when you're not taking care of it, it's generally because you're not thinking, how can I mess up my health? You're just not, you're not paying attention, right? So it's unintentional. Um, if you're abusing alcohol or medication, um, it, it's generally, you're not thinking to yourself, how can I create uh, a habit that's going to ruin my life? Generally, we, we just aren't paying attention. Same thing is true in marriage. Come on now. When you're not being intentional about your marriage, you, you don't stay neutral. You become unintentional and it gets sloppy. Yes. Yes. It never just stays okay. Just like your health. It ne- when you're young, you think it'll always be good. And the same thing is true about church. Look at me real quickly. When you're not going anymore, when you're not involved, when you're missing the fellowship, when you're not connected, it's because you've been unintentional. Amen. You've become unintentional. Church has become something that you pick and choose when it's convenient, and then pretty soon it'll just be inconvenient all the time. And you'll fall in that place of like, I, I, I don't notice a big difference. I would say if you don't notice a big difference, you were not really connected when you were there either. You went, but you didn't have the connection. And that's why you don't know the difference. Here's the fourth one. Why do you need a church? Because you need soul care from your pastor. Come on. (laughs) Perfect. My friend, that was timing and that was perfect. 
Do it one more time. You need soul care. No. Let me speak for You need soul care from your pastor. Come on. Yes. There it is. Hebrews 13, 17. We're hanging out in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 17. Look at this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Look at, look. Their work is to watch over your and they are accountable to God for that job. Okay, look at this part. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Why? Because that would certainly not be for your benefit if it were difficult to do it. So the more that you're just like, all right, that's what you want, pastor. That's what's best for my soul. Pastor, that's the direct, okay, you're my pastor. I'm not trying to control your life. I don't, but I want you to prosper in your soul, man. I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to be excited about the things of God. I want you to hear God's voice so easily. I want it when you come in here, whatever is lacking, missing, not happening. I want this to be such a fertile place that when the word of God comes to you, it's just like wham, like electricity, boom. And it hits your life and you don't leave here like you walked in like, yeah, you know, it's what, you know what I don't want? I don't want my voice to be one voice amongst all the voices that you have during the week. Elevate my voice. Elevate it. Cause it to mean more so that, so that the soul care. I'm not interested in what car you drive, what watch you wear, what address you live at. I'm interested in your soul growing passionately, on fire for God. I want you to see your children do more than you did spiritually. I want you to have a heritage that you hand down to your children's children. I want you to be able to say, it is well with my soul. That's what I want for you. So let me give you this. I think we're living in this really uh, uneven, strange, um, unpredictable in some ways moment in time where the ground beneath us is shaking. Things are changing. It's strange too, because I always thought we lived at a point where everything just shifted. So suddenly all things would just stop and we'd watch it. But what's, what's weird is that the world keeps turning while things are shifting, right? We just, we, so, so let me give you four trends that I see right now that I think are going to be things that we'll deal with over the next few years. So let me, let me phrase this. Listen how I'm phrasing it, right? This is not prophecy. It's prediction. Not prophecy, but maybe. How's that? It's wiggle room on my part. Okay, here's four things that I think are happening right now in our world, in our city, in our church, little C and big C, okay? Some people will not return when this is all over because they've developed a bad habit and they will not be okay. In the short term, six months will tell nothing. One year may not even show a difference, but the fruit of a person connected 
in fellowship and growing versus a person who's just sort of on the periphery and okay with it, the fruit in their life is going to be massively different when it comes to the harvest. And the time to try to harvest, (laughs) be planting before you need to harvest. You can't suddenly want to get something if you haven't invested. If you say to yourself, man, I, I wish Pastor John was more exciting, more into it, more whatever. You are partially responsible for the atmosphere inside of this church. If you leave it just up to me, I can only be so much of me. Come on. You have a part in that. Amen. So I just believe some will not return. The people that we are seeing right now, this is, I see a huge trend. Many new people who coming out of COVID who did not uh, ever attend our church before are coming right. There's this new thing that God is doing right now. And that's got some interesting curves with it. That means that our culture has to be taught again. The understanding of why we do what we do, how we do what we do, how you fit into the middle of it, right? Right. So some people have come for the first time and their whole idea of church, church was, you know, if, if I don't have anything else going on, uh, church, church was a solemn event. Church was not something to be excited about. When you, when you watch our worship right now and Camille is kneeling down in before the Lord, almost prostrate, it's her time to lead the song. And I'm actually over there thinking, does she know that she's up? Does she, maybe somebody needs to, hey, Camille, you're up. And all of a sudden, this little body belts out this, rah, from this kneeling position. And I, some of, I know you're going to be, I just, I just never saw it done that way. I'm, I don't know if I'm comfortable with it like that. <laughs> Your picture of heaven, I bet, is constrained. And it may not be very biblical, to be honest with you. And I don't mean that mean. And I'm just, I'm trying to talk culture right now. Heaven will be joyful. Heaven will be noisy. Heaven will be a celebration. Heaven will not be pious and quiet. Come on. It will not. Do you know that it says in the very throne room of God, the elders are shouting at the top of their voice, holy, 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 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days through eternity. Like at some point, it could be like, ah, I need to go to Venus. <laughs> but adopting culture right now is going to be important because in order to be connected, the, the Bible says, can two walk together unless there's agreement to do so? Apply that in anything in life. Can two people be in business together unless they're in agreement? Can two people be married unless they're in agreement? Can two people be friends unless they're in agreement? And can two people be a part of a church unless there's agreement? Do do you get what I'm saying? Right? That doesn't mean that you have to like drink the Kool-Aid and say anything and everything, then it doesn't matter. That's not true. Always, always view it through what the Bible says. And if you're like, well, I'm not sure what the Bible says about, ask, ask. I have people that email me all the time asking questions on, why do you do it that way? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you why we do. No, I'm always, 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 my heart is always to say, 
because this is what I see in the Bible. What do you see? Let's, let's be, let's look, I hate the words, let's agree to disagree because that's not unity. That's not unity. Let's agree together. Let's reason together. Let's figure it out together. That's a journey. That's not overnight. That's not one, but let's get there. Okay, here's the third one. Um, this is a little brutal. Only the strong are surviving right now. J.C. Penney was an institution. Now, for sure, they've been in financial trouble for a long time, but what pushed them over the edge is this point in time that we're living at right now. Office Depot, Office Max. The Kentucky Fried Chicken by my house, owned by Pepsi. You think they got deep pockets? It's like they were never there. They have scrubbed that building clean. So the only way you knew it was a KFC is if you lived here prior to. It's gone. You guys are right there. You know it's gone. I, I get it. I get it. Rich just said no big loss. I get it. I get it. I get it. My point simply is places that are not positioned are going to be in trouble right now. Just like families that are not positioned are going to be in trouble right now. So there, there's a, part of it is a, a whip. I didn't come to bring bad news. I came to bring good news. But I'm just telling you, one of the trends that I see right now is that um, places, people, institutions not positioned to weather some choppy waters are going to have a lot of difficulties right now. So what would that mean for you? Invest deep in your relationships right now. Don't wait for a crisis. Invest deep right now. Take care of business right now. Let go of junk that's keeping you from being able to be free and move quickly. Amen. Stuff that won't let you get to the surface, right? You're trying to get up to the surface. Let go of stuff that's like a weight on you that won't let you get to the surface and be free. Amen. Let go of it. Amen. Forgive people. Come on. Let go of stuff that you... Look, you're not positioned well. True. You're not positioned well. I'm saying something to you prophetically right now. There's going to be pressure, I think, on families right now. Uh, children not positioned well. It's going to be choppy, choppy air, choppy water that's in front of us for a little while. I, I talked to the staff about this a little bit and some of what I see might be opportunities to, to come from some of these things. That's, that's for those who have ears to hear what I'm saying. Here, here's the fourth one. Listen to this. I think there's either going to be a tremendous falling away or an incredible revival with young people. And here's who I'm talking about. Young people that are called believers. Whose right now affection and attention is being called to many things in this world. And that's, that's not what I'm addressing. Here's what I'm addressing. Young people that call themselves believers are more passionate for things in the world than they are for the things of God. I didn't come to now win friends and influence people. I came to just talk to you for a second what I'm seeing. There's either going to be a huge falling away of an age group or there's going to be a huge revival of that age group. 
It's the one thing I don't hear from that age group. I hear that age group say the church has failed us. I would say to that age group, maybe you're failing the church. Maybe your passion and your wherewithal and your all is not given to the things of God. And maybe you're saying, well, you never led us well in that way. So stand up right now, man. Go around me. Push me out of the way. Go for God. Set our church upside down. Set it on fire. I would love to see the energy that I've watched on the tea. I'd love to see it come for the things of God. I'd, lo I'd love to see young people begin to stand up and say, no more of this status quo. No more of religion that's just for the sake of religion and going to church just for the... I'd love to see our young people become so passionate that it absolutely, it, it, it jerks us out of our place too. So I see it for things in this world, but I'm not seeing it for the things of God. So I'm going to predict to you, there's either going to be a huge falling away or God's going to use it to spring an incredible revival. Yeah. That does not mean if you're my age or around there that you don't have a place in it. That's not what I'm saying. My staff misunderstood some of what I'm saying right now. It does not mean we're done. It just means that a new generation must arise. It must arise right now. My children and my children's children must arise right now and seize the responsibility to be passionate for the things of God, to be all in for the things of God, to be totally sold out to the things of God. Amen. And that's where, man, I'm just crying out to God. I don't know how to get us there. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I, I'm just seeing something right now. I can see, uh, I can see it begin to form on the horizon. And I don't know if it's a falling away or if it's a revival. But God, give us revival. Amen. Give us revival. Amen. And then Paul, he just closes that scripture with this last sentence right there. Listen. Be connected to each other. <laughs> let us, we, together, let us be doing this for this reason. Since you see that the day of the Lord is coming Near. I think one of the things that the enemy's doing really effectively right now, he's got the eyes of the church off of the fact Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. He is coming again. It's not myth. It's not, it's not some, you know, church that's got some weird doctrine. It's, it's our gospel. That our Jesus is coming again. And the Bible tells us since we can see that day coming closer. Let us be doing these things so we don't get caught on the downside of it. So Pastor, how, where do you see the day of the Lord coming closer? Just a couple of weeks ago, I said some of what you're experiencing right now in our world. Things that seem so out of control. Jesus said, here's what's going to happen before I come back. He actually said that. And then what happens is the enemy's got us so, we, our eyes are so fixed on events that we're not looking at Jesus. Look at Jesus, man. Keep your eyes on Jesus right now. Don't, it's okay to be concerned, involved, a part of, but it is not okay for believers to lose sight of the main thing. And the main thing is our Jesus. And I'm just, folks, I'm just trying to say, uh, this is not optional. It's not like, you know, 
pastor, I like our church, and I like the way that you teach, and I, I, I enjoy watching you be passionate. That's not enough. I'm just telling you, you're not positioned well. And it, 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 you don't have to be me. You don't have to act like me and, and talk like me. Thank God, huh? You don't have to, but you do have to have a heart like I have. You do need to be devoted to Jesus. It does need to be number one in your life. It, that needs to be the reason. And if it's not, man, I'm crying out to you. Get before God and say to him, God, do something in my heart. My heart's move. You, you're like the person who entered the water and you didn't mark where you were and you've drifted. Hey, you've drifted. You've drifted. Get back. While you can get back, get back. Get where you need to be. And that's not anger that says that, and it's not. It, it is, I am caring for your soul right now, to which I'll have to give an account to God for what I did. So I'm begging you, man. I'm begging you, be in the right place with God. Be in the right place. Father, I love you, and I thank you for the opportunity just to call out to you and cry out to you. And Lord, I, um, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know, Father. I'm just not smart enough to know how to do all of these things. And I don't think I'm supposed to know. I think we're supposed to do it together. We're supposed to be a part of this together. We and us together helping each other and encouraging each other and spurring each other. Just think right now and just be honest. No, no, no anger in it, no judgment in it, not, nothing. But just be honest with this question. How connected are you? Do other believers know what's going on in your life? Are there other people, believers, around you who know what's happening in your marriage if you're married? Do other believers know what's going on in your personal life? Not every intimate detail, but do they know how you're doing spiritually? Do they know how you're doing emotionally? Do you feel like you have, have that, that mooring line? Not just like, hey, Pastor John knows my name. Do you have people in a group, in a ministry that, that know you and care for you and they encourage and speak to you and you do the same for them? And if not, listen, I, I, I'm trying to say to you, that's not okay. That's actually a dangerous place to live your life from. And even if you feel like I've gotten away with it, pastor, I, I've, I've done that for years. I'm trying to say to you, things are shifting right now and that's, you're not positioned well. You're in a weak position, believe it or not. You're not in a strong position. 
So I'm calling out to you right now. And I, I teased a little bit about the ice cream. You know, I said, if you can stay and you don't, you're choosing isolation. In a way, that's true, but it's so much more serious and deep beyond that. Good habits are intentional. Bad habits are un. Where will you go from here and what will you do with this message? Does the condition of your soul matter to you? Does your soul prospering light up something inside of you? Or is that just like, eh? Don't stay in that place. Don't be okay in that place. There are alternatives and opportunities here for you to be deeply connected. You can become part of a group. You can become part of a ministry. Even on the, the most basic of level, get friends here. Get friends here. There are good people here in this church. And then I just want to speak to our young people real quick. I know when God got a hold of my heart, really got a hold of my heart, it changed everything. It changed my purpose. It ignited my heart for Jesus and for the things of Jesus. It, it motivated me that that's how it needed to be for my family. And I've watched that passion transfer down into my children. There's something, there's something about what I'm saying to you. If, if you're just like undecided about Jesus and the things of Jesus, or you feel unmotivated or unpassionate, man, I'm calling you out right now. I'm calling you out right now. Do not live your life for the things of this world. Don't live your life to be successful, quote unquote, in the eyes of the world, man. Live your life to be, to have God say, well done, well done. You have, you have so much to give. There's so much passion in youth and so much energy and power and uh, you, there's so much direct it towards the things of God. May God teach us, me, how to open doors right now for an age group to, to connect and to, to find a passionate place inside of their church. May you say, that's my church. Not that's where my parents go to church, but that's my church. My church. Those are my ministries. that a passion rise up inside of you and that God could capture that thing. And I, all I can do is kind of like describe to you, but 
man, I pray that God capture parents. I'm encouraging you to begin to pray for your children that God would capture their passion. God will capture their passion. Pray that your children would outpace you spiritually, that they would begin to run faster than you are, that they would begin to become consumed with the things of God that would actually make you nervous, parent, because you're worried how they're going to turn out because they're so into God. Because the thing, mom and dad, that you really want, I'm telling you right now, what you want is for your children to be so in love with Jesus that it dominates life. It's really what you want. If they get that, everything else, I promise, it'll fall into place. But to gain the whole world and to lose a soul, it's worth nothing. Nothing. Mm. Father, help us. Direct us and lead us. And God, it's a little seed that goes out right now. But man, from little seeds come big things. So bring something awesome, Father God. God, don't let there be a great falling away of your people. Let there be a great revival amongst your young people, Father. Sweep into the kingdom, God. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey. If you're able to hang out, um, we've got it set up out there. You'll go outside to get everything, like Pastor Jake said. Ice cream is on us. Um, enjoy that. Have a great afternoon, and we'll all be out there in just a few minutes.